We are in Matthew 17. Are you enjoying the miracles of Jesus? Amen. We serve a miracle-working God. He still does miracles. Amen. If you're in bondage, if you have sickness in your body, if you need healing, if you need deliverance, our God does all those things. Amen. I want to encourage you this morning as we look at the miracles of Jesus, they suggest to us that our God is able to take care of all the needs in our lives. Amen. Uh, We're in Matthew 17. We're going to look at the miracle of paying the temple tax here. Peter's going fishing. And uh, I'm going to read to you verses 24 through 27 of Matthew 17 in just a minute. But let's thank God for the word. Father, we thank you for the word this morning. We thank you that you have tucked these miracles into the New Testament, into the gospel, so that we can experience them. Father, that they may build our faith and build our trust in you. Father, allow these principles to leap off the page by your Holy Spirit this morning. Holy Spirit, uh, activate our minds and our hearts and tuck these principles deep within us this morning. I pray that we wouldn't leave here like we came, but we'd leave changed by the power of your word. And I ask this in Jesus' name, and the church said... Amen. Now, second service, you got to do a little better than that. We're... All right, first service is kicking your butt, so let's, let's get it in gear here, all right? Uh, um, it, I want you to preach back to me this morning, otherwise I'm going to go for two hours, okay? So here we go, Matthew 17, and we're looking at Jesus doing a miracle here uh, of paying tribute money, he's paying his taxes here. It says in verse 24, when they came to Capernaum, those who collected the two doctors drachma tax, came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the two drachma tax? He said, yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first, saying, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of the earth collect customs or poll tax? From their sons or from strangers? When Peter said from strangers, Jesus said to him, then the sons are exempt. However, so that we may not offend them, Go to the sea and throw in a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when he opens his mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for you and me. So this is a really interesting miracle here that Jesus does. And it's it's a miracle that's a little bit unusual in the sense that, you know, he's not healing anyone's body. He's not healing the sick. He's not cleansing lepers. He's not raising the dead. No, he's sending Peter out to go uh, collect a coin from a fish to pay taxes. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, Jesus, you know, is displaying something here. Maybe right away you might think, well, what in the world is he trying to show? What he's trying to show is that the natural laws of the universe don't apply to him, that he's above that. Now, I don't care how spiritual you are. You can't wake up tomorrow and say, "I'm I'm not down with gravity today. I'm just not, I'm not going to let gravity affect me today. No, you and I are bound by the natural laws of the universe, right? If you decide not to breathe, you're going to turn a few different colors and then you're going to cease to exist because the natural laws of the universe apply to all of us at all times, but not to Jesus. Jesus can walk on water. Jesus can walk through walls. Jesus can do things that no one else can do. And he's showing this miracle to reveal to us who he is. Now, the backdrop for this miracle is centered around our least favorite subject, taxes. Nobody likes taxes. Do you know at one point in America, there was no federal income tax? 
Then they said with the new deal, they said, we're only going to take 2%. It'll never go above that. Ha, ha, ha. Now most of us are playing 25 and up of everything we earn to a government that doesn't always use our tax money in the wisest way. Can we say amen? Now, being a good citizen, we're going to talk about this. The Lord made provision in the kingdoms of men for them to raise taxes upon the people. And we're going to talk about that. But the truth is we get upset about taxes because, you know, it's not that they're building roads or making infrastructure or keeping us safe. No, they're spending it on wasteful things. Can someone say amen? This is what I got off the Internet on what they're using our taxes for just recently. $50,000 to the Department of Agriculture to develop a solar-powered brewery. Now, some people in first service said that was a good idea. So, all right, it gets worse. 70K to, uh, for a study to figure out what bugs do when they get close to light bulbs. 280,000 to study the nesting habits of the California gnat catcher. Listen to this one. This, this, this one's crazy. 518,000 to document the effects of cocaine on the breeding habits of Japanese quail. I kid you not, Google it, I dare you. Three million to Northwest University to study hamster fights. Apparently there's a breakout of hamster fights and it's getting really bad. So, you know, they got to figure out what the problem is, and they're using the money that you would send your kids to school with to figure out why there's violence in the hamster community. $20 million to the Pentagon to design a camouflage that stands out. Yeah, let's make it not work. This is the best one. $3.1 billion to fund the vacation of federal employees who've been put out on administrative leave. It's not that we don't want to be good citizens. It's just that we don't want our hard-earned money wasted. And taxes here, we're going to see the raising of these taxes here. It was really questionable coming to Jesus. But, you know, while we discuss this abrasive topic, the, the Scripture does give, you know, the governments the right to raise taxes. And Jesus affirmed that in the Word. It says in Matthew twenty-two seventeen. 17, uh, Tell us, therefore, what do you think? So here's the religious crowd asking Jesus' opinion, and they're setting him up to try and, you know, discredit him. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, perceiving their wickedness, said, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, Whose image and inscription is on this? They said, Caesar's. And he said to them, Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but give unto God what is God's? Romans 13, 6 through 7. If you read Romans 13, you're going to see God's intention for human government and when it works correctly, how we should respond to it. We know that's gone off the rails to a degree, but this is what Romans 13, 6 says. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due. Taxes, to whom taxes are due, Customs to whom customs are due, fear to whom fear is due, and honor to whom honor. So there is a biblical foundation for collecting taxes. And whether we like it or not, to be good citizens, we have to fall in line with that to honor God. So here's Peter, and he's, you know, he's kind of out just doing kingdom things, and he gets accosted by this guy in verse 24. It says, 
when they came to Capernaum, those who collected the two drachma tax came to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the tax? So here's Peter minding his business, and he gets attacked by this little rabid tax collector. And, he, and he's kind of put on the spot. You know, right away they said, doesn't your teacher? It's almost like there's an, indignant, an indignancy there that, you know, they want to almost embarrass him. In verse 25, he simply replies, yes, he does. So, you know, he has this kind of little awkward encounter, but it doesn't end there. As verse 25 continues, Jesus puts Peter on the spot. So Peter's having one of those days. You ever had one of those days? You know, he, the tax guy's chasing me around, asking me, you know, per, penetrating questions. Now Jesus comes to him, and he, he's got a question for Peter. He says, uh, you know, when he came to Capernaum, do you pay the tax? Yes, he does. Uh, he said, and then it says, Jesus says to him, Simon, from whom? First he says to him, what do you think? Now, we're going we're gonna to touch on that, but it's kind of interesting. What do you think, Peter? From whom do the kings of the earth collect customs or poll tax? From their sons or from strangers? So Peter's on the spot here. And the the tax collector wants to know the answer to the question, does Jesus pay his tax? Yes, he does. Now, Jesus wants to know something from Peter, and he asks him, what do you think? And I want to center on that for a second here. When someone asks you what you think about spiritual matters, I would recommend that you stop and think before you answer. Now, this wasn't Peter's strong point, if you know about Peter. Peter didn't stop and think about anything. He just blurted stuff out. Anyone ever been there? Anyone a blurter? No, don't raise your hand. But, I mean, you know, he, he didn't stop and think yet. Jesus puts him on the spot and says, and he asks him, what do you think? Now, there's a part of Peter that, well, finally, someone wants to know what I think. But stop and think when someone asks you what you think about spiritual things because your answer can have a huge impact on their lives one way or the other. There are people who are going to want to know what you think about Jesus, what you think about salvation, what you think about sin, what you think about current issues. Stop and think before you speak. It's okay to say, I don't know sometimes. So Peter's on the spot. What do you think, Peter? And what we think on spiritual matters matters to those around us, but we've got to wait for the impartation of the Holy Spirit. Jesus' question to Peter is this, who bears the tax burden, Peter, in the kingdoms of men? Who pays the bill? He says, from whom do the kings of the earth collect their duty or their taxes, from their own children or from others? Now, the answer is from others, and we know that, and we're going we're gonna to look at Peter's answer. But, you know, those in charge throughout history have always exempted themselves from paying their share. If you study history, kings didn't, you know, kings didn't kick in, their kids didn't kick in. They taxed everybody in the kingdom, but the king just got to enjoy the fruits of the tax. Now, at least you're naive enough to think that this doesn't happen in our own republic. I want to tell you something. Four, only 4% of Americans in this country right now are millionaires. 4%. Quiet now. And 51% of them are in Congress. How do you get a job for $170,000 a year and become millionaires so quick? Things that make you say, hmm. It's because they find ways not to pay. They find loopholes. Corporations do it. The rich pay the least amount of taxes. When politicians say pay your fair share, they're not talking about taxing them. They're talking about taxing you. And so you say, well, what's that? That's human nature. It happened then. It happens now. Nothing has changed. 
Jesus wants to know the answer to the question. You know, are they paying their share? Are they doing their part? Do they, do they pay it themselves or do they want others to pay for it? G, uh, Peter's answer is right on the money, pun intended. He says, from others. They collect it from others. His answer is, no, their children don't pay it. They, they don't pay it. They collect it from others. Then Jesus said to him, so the children are exempt. See where Jesus is going here. He's trying to show who he is, and he's getting asked to pay taxes. And he's showing us what the heart and the nature of man is here. What a tragedy to ask Jesus to pay temple tax. Because the reason for the temple was to house the presence of God. And here's God walking among them, Emmanuel, God with us. And they say, hey, God, do you want to kick in to pay for your temple? Some of you are dead out there. Let me throw some water. Wake up. Preaching to statues. Are you kidding me with that? Hey, God, would you like to kick into God's house? And they don't recognize who he is. And it's so disrespectful and it's so sad. That pushy little tax collector, doesn't your teacher pay? Well, listen, my teacher is the reason that you have a temple because if you have a temple without God in it, it's just a building, buddy. Jesus makes the temple holy. <laughs> Yet they don't recognize who he is. And, you know, it says here in John 1, 1, his, he came to his own and his own received him not. That was the saddest thing that they didn't recognize Jesus. And they're like, hey, buddy, you got to chip in, you know, uh, Pay your tax. Verse 27 chronicles Jesus' response to this embarrassing question. It's, there's a lack of discernment. There's disrespect there. But his response is not, hey, I, I'm Jesus. You know, I don't need to pay. Who do you think? If you knew who you were talking to, no. There was no pride in him. His response is dripping with humility and grace. He says to Peter, you know what? You know, the sons are exempt. We know, you know, uh, they don't tax others. They want me to pay. They don't want to pay. But he says, so we do not cause offense. Did you see that in there? Jesus is like, all right, we're, we're going to pay this little temple tax here. And the reason we're going to pay it is not because it's just, not because it's right, not because I'm obligated. We're going to do it so that we don't create offense. Now, we live in a world that's offended by everything. Can I get an amen? Did that offend you? I'm sorry. It did. He made me talk in church. I'm offended. No, we're offended at everything. Yet he says here, so we do not cause offense. I want to tell you something. Jesus wasn't afraid to offend people, but he only did it if it was going to produce a result in their lives. He didn't just offend people for the sake of offending them. Some of you need to hear that. He didn't just wake up. Who can I offend today? The more people I offend, the more spiritual I am. If I can go to bed and everybody doesn't like me, I'm God's favorite. No, Jesus didn't just go around purposely offending people. He wasn't afraid to, but he, he did it if there was a point to it. When it became pointless, he didn't do it. And he, and he looked at the situation, and it's like, there's no point here. They're not going to get it. They're not going to understand. It's just going to create an argument so that we don't offend them. We're going to pay our little tax here. You know what? Let me, give you a, uh, let me give you some insight into something. It's possible that we could fight with everybody about everything all the time if we want to. You know, you and I, many times in life dealing with people, we know subjects, topics, attitudes, uh, discussions that can set people off. 
Come on, you've been to the Thanksgiving table. You've been to the Christmas party. You know what I'm talking about. If we could fight with everybody about everything all the time, but I found that loving and praying for the lost is much more productive than purposely antagonizing them. And this is something the church has to get. I'm going to need more water for this service. We're not supposed to go around offending people for the sake of offending people. If we have to share truth, we do it in love in such a way as not to purposely offend, but if they're offended, you know I've said this before, you're offended, I'm sorry, so what? The, the truth has to sit, but Jesus in this instance, he's like, nah, we're not, we're not going there with these guys. You know, it's not their time, they're not going to get it. Jesus is showing us a very powerful principle here, and it's the principle of knowing when to pick your battles, if you have children you, and you have a good relationship with them, you know you've got to pick your battles. If you have teenagers, you've got to pick your battles. You know, yeah, there's a piece of pizza stuck to the wall, but there's more important things going on. <laughs> Holes in the walls, piles of clothes, socks having fights in the corner. But you've got to pick your battles. Because you can't fight with them and nitpick with them and henpeck them all the time. And so Jesus is showing us, you, you got to pick your battles. Even he picked his battles here. And you know what? And people who can't pick their battles, who can't let anything go or overlook anybody's flaws or give anybody a break and, and find themselves offended by everything, those people are, are the type of people who have no friends and no influence. You're offended, yeah, you're offended by everything. Oh, everything's a big deal. Have you met these peaches? Come on, you can't, there's nothing you can do with some of them. These are the people who, you know, they look at their phones the entire time you're talking to them. You ever seen these people? Or they brag and complain or talk about themselves nonstop. These are the people who never put the shopping carts back. They're the same ones who use both of the armrests on the airplane. Come on, those people, I'm talking about, you know, these are the people who cut lines at the amusement park rides or run into elevators before anyone can get out. Some of you look guilty. Cut that out. But there's people like that. They're difficult, and, you know, they don't overlook anything, and they never let anything go, and they have no friends. You say, well, well what's the big deal? The big deal is you can't influence people or, or grow as an individual if nobody wants to be around you because you're repelling them. And if you have no influence, how can you affect anyone for the kingdom of God? So you and I need to be thick-skinned and let some things go and overlook certain things and not constantly make trouble and start fights and create drama. Hello this morning, amen? If we have not yet learned those skills, they're very spiritual. The Pharisees prided themselves in arguing and debating with everyone, and nobody liked them. Jesus called them all kinds. Of, Jesus called them names, you whitewashed walls, you brood of vipers, you, you, you're full of dead men's bones. Jesus! Is there anyone nicer than Jesus? And Jesus don't like you. The devil don't even want to hang out with you. You're depressing. 
So learn to pick your battles. Learn to pick your fights. Learn to be silent sometimes. Jesus says here, you know, so that we may not cause offense. Now, this miracle continues in verse 27. Jesus sends Peter out to do the thing he loves to do. He sends Peter out fishing. I want you to see that. Peter is going to experience the presence of God, and he's going to experience this miracle doing something that he's very, you know, he, he, it's common for him. He gets fishing. He's a fisherman. So here Jesus sends him out to experience a miracle in the thing that he's really comfortable doing. I want to know, I want you to know that suggests to us that God wants to meet us in our daily routine. You know, the prayer closet is great and the altar is great and the corporate worship is great. But sometimes just in our everyday routine, God wants to meet us there and reveal himself to us. Peter, go fishing. Peter was like, I never thought you'd ask. Absolutely. I'm going fishing. He was excited. I like fishing. I, Jesus, send me fishing, please. You know, he's going to go out there, and, and he's going to do uh, what he's comfortable doing, and he's going to experience the presence of God. Now, Peter's answer to this whole situation is, you know, that they collected it from others, and he's right about that. Um, you know, Jesus didn't have to pay, but he's going to pay because he doesn't want to offend people. He, he wants them to be saved. He doesn't want them to just die annoyed. So he's looking into the future here. And as Peter goes out on that fishing trip there, he's going to experience God in a way that will galvanize his faith. Now, he's sent out on the lake, and what Jesus tells him to do, it's real simple. It's not, there's no mystery in here. Cast out your line. The first fish you catch open its mouth, and you're going to find a four drachma coin. Use it to pay my temple tax and yours. That's the miracle there. Now, the scripture doesn't chronicle this unfolding. It just sends Peter out, and he does it. So we don't get the play-by-play on that. But think about it. A fisherman throws out his line. And think about being Peter that day, the first time you throw out that line. And, you know, now you feel a fish tugging on the end of that thing. And it was probably a hand line. He's pulling it in. And he picks up that fish. He lips it, and he looks in his mouth, and he sees the shiny coin in his mouth. Come on, imagine that being you. Awesome, just like Jesus said, look at it there. You know, oh, wow, there's like taxing. Jesus is taxing. He puts it in his pocket. He shakes the fish to see if there's any more. (laughs) He experiences Jesus in a way that no one can ever take away from him. And that fish becomes the most important fish, perhaps, that Peter had ever caught. This miracle reminds us of three important things, and I want to give them to you as we close down the message today. The first thing that this miracle reminds us is that Jesus is more than a man. He's God. You know, not too long ago, Pastor Mike was preaching about, you know, uh, Jesus, who do you say that I am? And everybody's got an opinion on who Jesus is, right? And the thing is that Jesus is not just a man or a good teacher. He's not a prophet. He didn't just start a religion. He's not the guy who, you know, invented the cross and it's the greatest piece of jewelry ever. No. Jesus is not just a man, a prophet, a teacher. He is God. And we know that. And, and, and we believe that. And it's what has made all the difference in our lives. But sometimes we need to be reminded of the divinity of Jesus Christ. Jesus is reminding Peter of something here. 
experiencing this miracle, he's reminding him of a fact that Peter had just testified to in chapter 16. Now, this is Matthew 17. In Matthew 16, Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So Peter's gonna experience him in a way that reveals that he's the Christ, the son of the living God. So Jesus is reminding Peter of something he already knows. You and I need to be reminded of the things we think we know. Oh, pastor, I know that. Oh, pastor, I've heard that. Oh, pastor, I've heard a sermon on that before. I'm going home. No, you and I need to be constantly reminded of the things we think we know because we go off course and we forget really quick. Peter's going to forget all these things when it's time to stand with Jesus and he's going to run and he's going to deny Jesus three times. So don't think that you and I don't need to be reminded. Peter is being reminded here about something he confessed to a chapter ago. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus is like, you believe that? You said that? It was from the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to show it to you in a way that reveals myself to you. He reveals himself to Peter just like he did, you know, at at, at the trans transfiguration he reveals himself he's revealing himself to peter why so that when he's gone peter will know the god he serves and he'll serve him with boldness now he doesn't do this to intimidate them he doesn't do this to show off jesus in revealing himself his only motivation is to build our faith and intimacy with him the reason he wants us to get to know him is so we can get to know him and so we can have a relationship with him You know, it's one thing to know about Jesus. It's another thing to know him. And it's even another thing to know his divinity. You and I need to experience the divinity of Jesus Christ in a way that settles it in our hearts. I remember the first time I always knew about Jesus. I always heard about Jesus being raised, you know, going to Catholic school. I knew about him, but I remember the first time I really met him and I discovered who he really was. And my life has never been the same since. You and I need to experience his divinity. John 1, 1 through 5 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the light shining in the darkness. He's not just a man. He's God. And you and I need to experience him as God in our relationship. Number two, the second thing this miracle reveals is this. Jesus had complete control over all creation. Remember, you know, we said he, you know, he walked through walls and he, he, he did all of these things and he, 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 he he just had dominion in a way that no prophet, no one ever had heard, had before. You know, prophets would hear God and say things and things would happen. Lions' mouths would shut and the, the sun would stop or whatever. But Jesus didn't have to check with anybody. He just did it. It's a different level of authority there. It's like no one who ever had came before him. Even when he taught, the people said he teaches as one who has authority. You know why? Because he's one who has authority. <laughs> and they noticed it and they celebrated it. Because Jesus has complete control over all creation. Did you hear what we just read in John 1? All things were made by him. Nothing was made that, 
nothing that was made was not made by him. He's creator, he's designer, and he has all authority over creation. This is the guy who calms the wind and the rain, who calms the stormy seas and makes them like glass, who walks on water, who curses fig trees and they wither up. He has dominion over all the natural laws of the universe. You say, why? Because he created the universe and he set those laws in place. Understand who Jesus is. He's not just a man. He's God. Understand he has complete control over all creation. He can stop the sun in the sky. He can cause it not to shine anymore. He can, he can part seas. Come on. He can do anything. You say, well, what does this mean to me sitting here in church, uh, you know, in the middle of June in New York? Well, I'll tell you what it means. It means that because he has dominion over all creation, this assures you and I that there is nothing we can face that is too big for our God. There's nothing we... He can do anything. He can do anything for you. Come on. He's about to pay Peter's taxes. Woo-hoo. Some of you are going to go fishing this afternoon. Come on, Jesus. Come on. Shaking the fish. He can do anything. And that should encourage us. We don't serve a God who knows limitations. We don't serve a God who can't. What are you going through? What's What's wrong? What do you lack? Are you in bondage? Can, uh, can you not get free? He does the impossible. He does the improbable. He does anything he wants to do at any time because he has all authority over creation. Number three, I'll close with this. Jesus always meets our needs. Now, I noticed something right away about this miracle. Jesus sends Peter fishing. Peter's happy to go. He catches the fish. He opens its mouth. And there's payment in there, exact change payment for his tax and for Peter's. Peter could have just caught, you know, Jesus' tax money. But Jesus says there's enough in there for you and for me. What's the lesson? The lesson is Jesus always meets our needs. And if you look at the way the needs are met here, you know, this might not be the way that Peter thought his need would be met. He, it might not be the way that, you know, he would have scripted or he never saw this coming. But there are times when God meets our needs in the strangest of ways. Have you ever noticed that? Man, God, I'm thankful that you did that, but I would have never thought of that. Or I would have did it this way, or I thought this is where it was coming from, but it seemed to come out of nowhere. Come on, like Pastor Mike was sharing, money just started coming in, amen? Money for his house, money to, to get him. I mean, God can bring anything out of anywhere. Oh, help us, Jesus. You got the air condition running today? They're wilting out there. So the lesson here, and I'll conclude within the hour, is that God does things in strange ways. And you say, well, why does he have to do that? He does things in strange ways so that we know that it was him. Do you know if Peter just kind of dug his hand into his pocket and found the coin and he'd be like, oh, I found it. How many people do that? Once in a while you dig your hand in your pocket and you find, you know, money. Anybody? Ooh, a 20. Woo. You know, he could have just walked outside and just saw a coin in the dirt. That happens, right? You find, you find money every once in a while? Every once in a while. Uh, he could have just, you know, been sitting on his couch and we're looking for the remote, digging in the cushions, and look at that, a coin. But all of that could have been chalked up as coincidence or just good luck. 
And that's what people all the time, what a coincidence. Wow, I had good luck today. No, you know, God does things in a way for his people that there's no explaining it away, that we have to say, God, I know that was you, that we know that we know was him. Because he wants to show us he's providing for us. He's ordering our steps. He's taking care of our needs. He hasn't forgotten about us. That's the God that we serve. Yeah, Jesus provides it away. I mean, you pull a fish out, and it, the first one you caught, and it has exact change in its mouth? Nobody has exact change. People don't even know how to count change anymore, right? They hit the button on the cashier, looks at you. We don't know how much change we're supposed to get back, so we go keep the change. Fish has got exact change in its mouth. Man, that's all God. It's just as Jesus said. I would have loved to see Peter's face on that bank. You know what? There's a part of me that thought he must have laughed, and then he must have cried. Who is this man that the wind and the waves obey him? Who is this man that can command a fish to grab the right coin and have it bite my line on the first time. You know, could you see Jesus telling the fish, fish, you know, there's a coin, go get it there. Peter can't fish good, but just bite the hook. Just do this. You know, he commands nature. He has dominion over everything, and he's looking out for you and I and providing for us. I want to say one last thing as I close. Jesus will always meet our needs. He will never leave us in lack he will never abandon us. But I want you to know that he's much more interested in building our faith and having a relationship with us than he is in meeting our laundry list of daily needs. God, I need this and I need that and I need this. and Oh, I'm short for that. And I gotta, I, the lights are going to go out and I got no gas and the rent. Listen, he'll provide. Amen. But he's more interested in building relationship with you. The closer you and I get to him, oh, he's not a rabbit's foot that we, you know, that we rub when we need stuff. He's not, you know, we don't need to treat him that way. It's just that we, we need to love him and know him and, and put him first in all things. And then all of these things that we need, all these things that are daily, oh, they're just provided. But his main intention is to build relationship with us. He's revealing himself to Peter here. Jesus could have just pulled a coin out of his pocket, or he could have smacked Judas in the head and took the coin that he stole and gave it. Right? But no, he sends him out on a fishing trip to experience a miracle all by himself to build relationship with Jesus. Let's bow our heads today. Father, I thank you that you train us and you teach us and you do the extraordinary. You do things differently so that we can experience you. Father, I pray for everyone within the sound of my voice today that I pray for each one of these dear saints, my brothers and sisters, and for myself, that we would all experience you in our daily routine in a way that builds our faith. Father, that we wouldn't miss these divine encounters and divine appointments that you set up for us to reveal yourself to us. Father, you always provide for those who seek and obey. Peter followed you. He obeyed you. He threw the line in the water, and he experienced a miracle that galvanized his faith. Do the same thing for us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Give him a hand clap of praise.